Welcome to our continuing 2021 educational webinar series. I am Katherine Short, Partnership Marketing Manager for First Healthcare Compliance. At First Healthcare Compliance, we help you with a comprehensive compliance management solution tailored to your business. A hospital, hospital network, healthcare practice of any size, billing company or skilled nursing facility, and we help manage every aspect of a compliance program and our training library provides hundreds of modules that are easy to assign and track. As part of our complimentary educational webinar series, we bring you experts from around the country to discuss relevant topics in the healthcare industry. We are so pleased to have Rebecca L. Rakowski, Managing Partner at Xpan Law Partners and Saj Nassim, CISO from New Jersey Courts. Rebecca Rakowski is the managing partner at Xpan Law Partners, and she counsels and defends public and private corporations and their boards during data breaches and responds to state, federal, regulatory compliance and enforcement actions. As an experienced litigator, Rebecca has handled hundreds of matters in state and federal courts. Rebecca skillfully manages the intersection of state, federal, and international regulations that affect the transfer, storage, and collection of data to aggressively mitigate her clients' litigation risks. Rebecca advises her clients on a proactive, multi-jurisdictional approach to identify and address data privacy and cybersecurity compliance gaps and potential liabilities. She uses her extensive experience to work with her clients to create and tailor a security and privacy governance program that fits their specific needs in order to limit their regulatory exposure. Rebecca regularly negotiates complex contractual provisions that are impacted by domestic and international data privacy regulations, including the California Consumer Privacy Act of 2018 and the European Union's GDPR. She understands how the nature of data can affect her role, her client's play in the data transaction and uses that knowledge to minimize corporate liability. As a thought leader in the area of data privacy and cybersecurity, Rebecca serves on the New Jersey State Bar Association Cyber Task Force. Rebecca is vice chair elect for the New Jersey State Bar Association's bankruptcy law section and also served on the complex business litigation committee that drafted and revised the court rules involved in electronic discovery in complex lit litigation matters. Rebecca has been appointed in several litigation matters by the New Jersey Superior Court as a discovery special master. Rebecca is on the Board of Governors for Temple University Health Systems and is an adjunct professor at Temple University's Thomas R. Klein School of Law and Rowan University. Saj Nassim is the Chief Information Security Officer, CISO, of New Jersey Courts. Sash has over 20 years of experience with information security and information technology across many industries. As the Chief Information Security Officer of the New Jersey Courts, Sash has focused on cybersecurity readiness and performance, information governance, and network security. Sash holds master's degree from St. John's University and Columbia University. Sash routinely speaks at cybersecurity conferences nationally, Europe, and within the New Jersey Bar Association. 
Sanj is also an adjunct professor at St. John's University in information security since 2010 and is a native of New York City. Before we begin, I would like to mention at First Healthcare Compliance, we strive to serve as a trusted resource for compliance professionals, and every month we celebrate their hard work and dedication with our Compliance Super Ninja recognition. For this Super Ninja, our team is turning the spotlight on Billy Joe Burnett, Assistant Admin to Next Step Medical Detox. Billy Joe says, I love working for Next Step Medical Detox. It gives me a life worth living and we get to help others live an amazing life. Congratulations, Billy Joe. Our team is honored to have the privilege of working with you. A copy of the slides is available for download on the control panel. Feel free to submit questions into the question box on your control panel during the presentation. We'll address questions at the conclusion of the presentation. Your PACOM and PMI CEU certificates will be emailed to you following the broadcast. Your PACOM certificate will come directly from PACOM and your PMI certificate will come from our email. There is no need to request either one. Additional CEU opportunities will be available to BC Advantage members following the live broadcast. See their website for details. So Rebecca and Saj, we are so happy to have you here today. Welcome, thank you for being here. Thank you very much, uh, um, Catherine, for having us. Um, uh, welcome everybody. Uh, to this presentation. Yes, thanks, Catherine, for having us. We are excited to be discussing uh, this important issue about cybersecurity and data privacy training within healthcare organizations uh, for uh, first healthcare compliance. So, thanks for having us. Thank you. Great. So we are uh, Saj and I have been um, speaking on this topic. Uh, pretty regularly. It's something that we feel very uh, passionate about. Um, and one of the reasons why uh, we entitled it Stop the Insanity um, is because we, as you see, you'll see throughout the presentation, one of the big issues um, is that we keep doing training the same way over and over again uh, in, in the cybersecurity and, and data privacy area. And this is particularly true uh, for healthcare organizations. Um, and I work with a lot of healthcare um, in the healthcare arena. I in that uh, group, I do a lot with both healthcare organizations uh, and in the life sciences area. And over and over again, I see that organizations do training, and they say, "Oh, don't worry about it, Rebecca. We, we've got this. We've got the training down. We do training all the time." Um, and I'm like, great, how often do your people click on a bad link or a bad, um, you know, a download something and they're like, oh, well, that, that, that frequently happens when we're doing phishing tests and things like that. And so my question to them is, why do you keep training people over and over again uh, for cybersecurity and data privacy, and yet you're doing the same training and expecting a different result? And so that's kind of where the Stop the Insanity title came from, because the definition of insanity is doing something over and over again expecting a different result. Um, and uh, Saj and I have um, frequently um, had conversations about uh, why this does not work and, and how to do it um, better, more efficiently, more effectively for organizations. And we've kind of come to um, a uh, conclusion with regard to uh, what the root cause of this issue is and then how we can help organizations to uh, kind of change the, change the dialogue and start to approach this problem from a different angle. 
Thank you, Rebecca. So we're going to get right into this. Uh, the training topic has been um, out there for many, many years. And like Rebecca was saying, we're talking about how does this affect uh, all organizations, for, uh, um, especially during the pandemic. So the topics we're going to cover today are pandemic and virtual processes. Okay. What is the issue with training? You know, why do we, why are we even talking about this? Okay. The human factor. Um, how does the human factor play into all of this? Risk management, which is critically important. And one of the key themes that we have for you today is the need for quantification, okay? The need for measurement in order to see how well your organization is doing um, from a cybersecurity readiness and performance standpoint. And uh, towards the very end, we're gonna talk about what we're seeing in the industry uh, in regards to data breaches, how, how we can connect that those to the topics we have today. And finally, we're gonna put it all together. We're gonna to provide some uh, solutions. So with that, we're gonna get right into it. Pandemic and virtual processes. Okay, so these are just some news headlines, okay, um, concerning uh, during the pandemic and related to, uh, during the pandemic, actually one of them is uh, slightly before the pandemic, but the themes are very similar. If you see right in the middle of the screen, um, you'll see a Zoom call, okay? And so once you're getting a Zoom call, you'll see maybe like a Zoom link, right? Right in the middle of it. We have seen examples after examples of people utilizing Zoom links to send phishing emails, where if you click on the Zoom link, it will, or supposed Zoom link, it will take you over to, you know, a phishing site where they may try to uh, steal your credentials, or outright just give you a ransomware, right? Or some sort of a malware. So we've seen that. So that's an example right there. Um, on the left, we see an example um, actually in February of 2020, where this was one of the emails that was received. Uh, you could see the dollar amount down here, uh, $388,000 um, or so, uh, where Barbara Corcoran, the uh, Shark Tank, the person who's one of the investors in Shark Tank, uh, on that show, um, someone in her company basically saw this, thought it was from the uh, financial officer and handed over about $400,000 to a hacker or a criminal, okay? So you can see that. On the lower side here, uh, actually, let's go to the right side for, um, as well, SolarWinds. Uh, we've definitely heard of SolarWinds in the last 90 days or so, and we can see uh, Brian Krebs, um, uh, reported that about 18,000 companies were affected by the SolarWinds hack. And on the left, uh, lower uh, left-hand corner, you'll see Microsoft was also linked to the SolarWinds attack. So again, what are we talking about here, right? Um, the biggest theme we have going on here is you see attacks over and over again happening on computer networks. So the question is, you know, for me and Rebecca, how does, how does any of this stuff relate to people? Okay, look at the left side. Somebody received an email, gave away $400,000. There's a human factor right there, right? If they understood the email to be, if there was additional uh, processes in play inside of the company, then maybe that wouldn't have happened. Zoom links, right? How do we continuously receive phishing emails and people continuously click on them, um, giving their credentials away, getting ransomware? I mean, we see this, this is an ongoing thing. Okay, SolarWinds, okay? One of the major themes coming out of SolarWinds is this topic of misconfigurations, right? 
were those softwares configured correctly? And if they weren't, then you know, led to the you know potentially led to um, a cyber attack. So misconfigurations are less than ideal um, computer configurations done by human beings. And then there's usually best practices that are not being followed. So again, we see the human theme there. Okay, Microsoft and SolarWinds, right? Clearly, how can SolarWinds and Microsoft be connected together unless uh, there wasn't the right governance in play, the right uh, people relationships in play in order to get there? Uh, with that, I'll hand that over to Rebecca. Rebecca, can you please speak on the human component as part of uh, what you're seeing in your practice in regard to uh, cyber attacks? Right. And thanks, Saj. And so what we see over and over again are that people do the same uh, activity. Um, they're, you know, similar to what um, Saj is saying is that they're clicking on the bad links. They're transferring the dollars out. Even with SolarWinds and, um, you know, you the SolarWinds, if, if anyone is, is familiar with the the, what they're at this time saying is the cause. And keep in mind, this is a massive data breach. Um, this is a massive hack. And we're going to be unpacking this one for a while. But right now, they're telling us that SolarWinds was a supply chain injection attack. That means that one of SolarWinds suppliers was actually infiltrated and then they were able to get the infiltration into SolarWinds and then SolarWinds pushed it out to their customers. But SolarWinds is also blaming to some degree um, and uh, apropos of what Saj is saying, um, is they're blaming one of their interns saying that there was some sort of issue with the intern and the intern was really the root cause of, uh, or was was part of the root cause of the data breach. So you see that there's a lot of, um, th this goes back to your employees, these insider attacks. And I think it's important to keep that in mind, particularly in the healthcare industry where we see 53% of, of healthcare attacks, and I'm not pulling this number out of the air, this is related to the Poneman Institute study, 53% of all data breaches within the healthcare industry are due to insiders and negligence. So we keep seeing over and over again that data breaches are caused by insiders. Um, one of the classic stories that I, I will, will tell probably until my dying breath um, is that I had a client one time and um, they were um, he, the the one of the gentlemen who worked for the organization used the same password at work as he did in his personal life. And hackers were able to obtain a copy of that or or get that password um, uh, from his personal from use in his, his personal life, and were able to access his company's e um, email system uh, through using this this password and when they were able to do that he they started sending e he started sending emails out under the name of that individual and people and and they were asked basically were asking them to uh transfer funds so similar to the barbara Cor corcoran example that that saj recently gave um and so what happened was people were writing back to the hacker and saying oh this is an unusual email from you um do you want me to respond to this but the hacker had completely taken control of the email exchange and was able to and would write back to them and say yes this is legitimate please enter your information and so the hacker was able to gain access to uh the corporation's uh information and the information on all of these individuals and uh no matter how you cut that that's a data breach and so they had reporting obligations and and horrible horrible things 
ensued. But the point being is that the training that they had in place did not prevent this individual from um, from using the same username and password in different um, different spots, uh, both personal and professional. Um, and and that's what we see. We see a lot of issues because what we do in um, in in compliance and in security and privacy uh, awareness is that we're training people based on um, you know the same type of training mechanism we use over and over and over again. Um, as a matter of fact, I was recently asked by um, a, an organization that I am affiliated with, um, not my own, uh, but to do cybersecurity training. And I thought, well, let me see what this looks like. And we went online and I and I did the cybersecurity training. And basically, while the training was running in the background, I was doing what everybody does, particularly in a pandemic environment, which was I was doing other work. And then when it got to the point where I had answered the questions, the questions were so pathetically easy that even, and I understand I'm a cybersecurity professional, so maybe it was just easy for me, but I really didn't have to listen to the to the dialogue, the incredibly boring dialogue, I will might add, of what was going on in order to achieve that cybersecurity training. And I answered all the questions. I think there were eight of them. Um, and you know, I was able to very easily respond and move on, and I basically didn't pay attention to any of it. Um, one of the other issues that I, I find a lot is that when we have these these trainings is that people that's the same questions that get asked year after year so once you listen to it once you never have to do it again so those are just a couple of things that we're seeing um within the industry and i guess that segues nicely uh saj into what are the issues or what is the issue with the training that we do now exactly thank you rebecca so what is the issue with training so we've definitely discussed that there have been a number of i mean my basic theme is that if you look at a data breach you're looking at not just a data breach but you're looking at problems within your infrastructure not only technology but also management and potentially also leadership that have not worked together sufficiently enough which has led to that so the question and and sometimes it's not that people are doing something malicious sometimes there's just disconnects between policy and operations right and we're going to get into some of that as we're moving forward so with that what are some of the current issues with training okay so look pandemic period right we're sitting at home uh i'd rather be watching netflix than working right i mean this is the theme right i mean we are people we are human beings we're tired right so the home is a new workplace right it's hard to focus you know when the latest uh game of thrones is on um <laughs> and while you know you're doing work and we've seen that actually right uh, we've seen, uh, and many of you uh, folks probably in healthcare organizations and elsewhere have seen this type of idea that if you look at your network traffic now versus previous to January, uh, March of last year, we were talking about uh, it may have uh, changed because people are surfing Netflix on their work computers like it's work, okay? Like, or like as if they're home. And we've seen examples of that, okay? So the home is the new workplace, okay? new and ex unexpected challenges to daily life now the pandemic is no joke clearly right it has altered fundamentally probably forever the way we function in societies right masks are probably in all of those things are are, are there okay so we've had health challenges we've had family challenges we've had uh cybersecurity challenges and we're going to have business challenges clearly uh behind all these virtual processes 
we've been able to pull it off, but clearly a lot has changed and is going to continue uh, to be altered probably forever. Okay, um, so that's there. Go ahead. Oh, I just want to mention one thing. Sorry to interrupt, Saj. I think that people need to understand too that um, Saj is 100% correct. I mean, we're going to see some return to work, the workforce as we're coming out and people are getting vaccinated and things of that nature. But I have a lot of companies that I work with who are basically telling me they're like, yeah, we're not sending people back into the to the work workplace. We found that they are able to work from home, even with the Game of Thrones distractions and the kids being home and the laundry that needs to be done and things like that. But they're finding that they're it's less expensive for them to run their business remotely or substantially remotely. So maybe they do a smaller workspace and things like that. So the fact that we're, we're you know, people, I, I think, expected us to say, okay, we're going to get the vaccine and life is going to go back to the way it was before. That's not what I'm seeing in from my experience with my clients. They're saying, no, no, we're able to run this remotely. It's less expensive. And so we're going to keep doing it this way. And as a result of that, these new challenges and these changes to our lives are really permanent. The kids might not be home anymore. They may go back to school, uh, but you're still going to be working from home. And the challenges that exist as a result of that work from home environment are still going to be there. And in the healthcare space, while we don't, obviously doctor's offices are open, but billing offices, um, scheduling, a lot of those people are home and will probably stay home. And so while we originally, I think back in March of 2020, we thought, well, a couple of weeks or a couple of months, and we're going to get back to normal. That never happened. Now, fast forward a year, and you see that we are, or a year and some change, really, and we're, we're still in that situation where we have, we're, we're returning to normal, but that normal is not what it was, uh, two, you know, a year and a half, two years ago. It's literally is and I hate this expression, the new normal, but that is what it is going to be. The new normal is going to just become the normal where people are working from home. And so dealing with these issues um, are going to be, uh, the need for that, dealing with those issues is going to become more acute. Okay, thank you, Rebecca, for that. So clearly we're seeing uh, in your practice as well that, you know, that customers or billing offices and different people, remote is here to stay. I mean, we have proven during the last year or so that the remote model works. I mean, it worked even before pandemic, but clearly at a mass level, it's working now. So that model is here. So that is going to continue to introduce challenges we have seen and not seen in, in the future, okay? So home distractions are there, right? I mean, clearly that's there. And now one of the things I will say is that in my own experience as a CISO, I have, I have a team of, you know, I have a team and that team, believe it or not, is working harder during the pandemic than pre-pandemic because they don't get to commute two hours a day, right? Uh, they can spend that time working, right? More focused in certain ways. So again, the pandemic and remote work has created in some ways um, um, challenges and in some ways some positive effects where workers are maybe working more, right? And, and are able to work more and focus more, right? So in certain areas. But again, this all comes together at a head at a certain point in time. Um, cybersecurity training and policies um, Rebecca, you want to speak on on this topic here, how the policy, because I think in your practice, you see that directly. So I think that's a better point for you to speak on. Right. So thanks, Saj. Yeah. I mean, what we see is that cybersecurity training and um, policies um, do help organizations 
protect themselves from cyber events. But what we're really talking about in terms of protection is when your cyber practices and training and your policies al are all aligned, right? right. Um, and that, that reduces liability. And that's where, you know, Saj deals more with the technical aspect of things and where and I deal more with the legal aspect of things. So um, I actually don't deal with the technical aspects at all because I know that nobody wants their lawyer configuring their, their firewall. Uh, I'll leave that to the experts like, experts like Saj. Um, but, you know, it's aligning those things because the gaps between your policies and your practices not only create... Um, what I would say is a, a threat vector, right? An area in which your system can come become infected, but it also creates liability because that gap is unreasonable. And that that's what we're always shooting for in the law is reasonableness. So connecting our policies and procedures with our practices is really critical because that intersection uh, creates reasonableness in the eyes of a court. And look, you have kind of three phases of liability, right? You have the phase of liability where you did nothing and you do nothing, and that is patently unreasonable. And therefore, if, in terms of a regulatory assessment or audit by, a, by like OCR, the Office of Civil Rights or something like that, you're going to get slapped pretty hard for that. And when I say slapped, I mean regulatorily, is that a word? Um, but from a regulatory perspective, you're going to get a higher fine. Right, and, and you can see that in the HIPAA tiering, the tier one, tier two, tier three, tier four tiering when you have to deal with, when you're dealing with uh, HIPAA fines. Um, but when you do nothing, big fine. When you do something, but bad things happen anyway, less of a fine. You see, we're getting reasonableness. Where, you, where your policies and your procedures don't align, you're in between that, right? You're between the super high fine of doing nothing and the lower fine of doing something, but it, bad, bad things happened anyway. That middle ground is where, where you're gonna still get a pretty substantial fine. So what we're trying to do is line up the policies and practices with, um, with, your, with your obligations to create less of a, of a pass-through, less of a, you know, the more connected they are, there's less of a space for, for lawsuits, there's less of a space for regulatory actions. So, in, in the world in which I operate, which is the legal world, and, and from compliance, I mean, people in compliance get this, they understand this. And really, your IT guys get this too, because they're the ones who have usually been screaming for years that our policies don't line up with our practices. So aligning those things is critical. The only way to align policies with practices is to do training, is to train your workforce on the policies, right? I also see a lot in the in the cybersecurity and data privacy space where they train a lot on don't click this email, don't download this, but they're not really training on, it's not tailored to their organization. Um, and so that's great, that falls into the best practices category, but it doesn't create efficiencies and it doesn't create alignment with the security program and privacy program you have with the with the policies you have in place and what your employees are doing. Um, I actually had a client one time where their IT department's like, we have all these great policies, but nobody knows about them. And I said, why not? And they were like, because we, they're just not trained on them. And I would ask people, you know, I was doing interviews in different departments and I'm like, well, what is your policy? Do you have a policy on this? They're like, yeah, we have a policy. I'm like, what does it say? They're like, I have no idea. 
that's a problem. That's a liability. That's an issue for any organization. Um, and that lack of alignment creates uh, a real a real problem and and creates significant liability for the organization. Um, the other thing is just from a uh, from a compliance perspective from HIPAA from a HIPAA perspective, which I I deal with a lot. That lack of alignment really um, can be a, a real sticking point for um, you know the OCR when they go to issue that fine, um, and they're going to push you more towards the higher end because there isn't that alignment. So um, it's really critical when you're dealing with security and privacy, cybersecurity training, data privacy training, that your policies line up with your practices. Thank you, Rebecca. So with that, I think it's a perfect theme that we have seen examples uh, from the previous slides of organizations. You saw the Barbara Corkin example, you saw SolarWinds, you saw Zoom, you saw um, you saw Microsoft. All of these things are connected because behind all of those fancy computers, right? The clouds, on-premise computers, new applications, all of that are people. So even if you buy the greatest security tools, if they're misconfigured, right, that's going to be a major problem. And how do we know that, right? We've seen the Verizon breach report, and year after year, we see 30 to 40% of all breaches are misconfigurations. Simple, not following best practices, right? So what's going on? The question that we're raising here, it's what's going on between you know, all the attorneys, human resources, your CISOs, your CIOs, your engineers, your CEO, what's going on that at the end you get misconfigurations and people clicking on phishing emails? How does that all happen? And why does it continuously happen, right? So what's going on with that? And we're gonna get into that. Uh, so Richard Feynman, um, the Nobel Prize winner, he's from Queens where I am from, New York City, said one time, the first principle is that you must not fool yourself you're the easiest person to fool, okay? So we're gonna be going back on that theme. Again, the first principle is that you must not fool yourself and you're the easiest person to fool. So with that, we have a topic that is very new. Um, uh, Rebecca I have, and I have been collaborating on it for a couple of years now. And this topic is something that we believe is the central topic uh, related to cybersecurity at this present time. It's redefining cybersecurity readiness and performance awareness with three metrics, knowledge, behavior, and attitude, KAB. So we'll get more into that. So what's behind all of these attacks? Or well, what's, uh, um, we believe the human factor is a large portion of why these attacks happen uh, through misalignments in policy, through departments working in silos, through um, miscommunication, right? And so on and so forth. So with that, um, poet uh, Alexander Pope once said, to error is to human, uh, to error is human, to forgive is divine. We all commit sins and make mistakes. So humans are fallible. We make mistakes, okay? And mistakes may be thinking that we did something the right way and not doing it the right way. We forgot, right? So you may go to the stove, right? Thought you turned the stove off, and all of a sudden you come back an hour later and your dinner is burnt, right? Sometimes it happens, right? We're busy, we get distracted, life happens, right? Or you sometimes every day you're very you're studious and you know you make sure everything is the right way. You go to your car, right? And you come home and you left your lights on inside of the car, right? These are examples, right? Um, you came home, right? You went inside of your house and you left the door unlocked. You may do that one time in 365 days, right? Leave your door 
unlocked one time and the burglar comes through that day. This is how cyber attacks also work. Uh, uh, in addition to that, uh, no matter in, in my mind, no matter the, the nature, the scope or the extent of organizational cybersecurity, uh, you know, like let's say breaches, there are pre-episodes events. There are things that happen like leaving the light on or in your car or leaving your door unlocked by accident, leaving, you know, your dinner on the stove and forgetting about it while it burns, right? There's always people involved behind all of that. And again, this can be related directly to themes such as clicking on phishing emails or and or um, and or um, misconfigurations because in order to misconfigure a computer, you have to have an engineer, a policy that goes over best practices, right? A manager and maybe a CISO, right? And between all of them, at the end, the computer doesn't get configured correctly, right? How does that continuously happen? And again, Verizon reports on that. Go ahead, Rebecca, you want to speak on that? He knows I know I'm ready to jump in. Uh, yes. So thanks, Ash. Yeah, so I mean, I, one of the things that I, um, I, I always, I, I don't have it in this slide deck or we didn't include it in this slide deck, but I always reference this, is there was a very, um, it's a cute cartoon and basically it's a boxing ring, a, a arena, a ring. And um, in one corner of the ring is, you know, can firewalls and VPNs and anti-malware and anti I mean, all the, the tech stuff that we have, right? And in the other corner, you have this guy and he's, it says his name, he's a name tag on it says Dave, right? So it doesn't matter. I, you can have every available piece of security known to man. And I would, I would uh, posit that Solar winds, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about that again in, in a little bit. But you know, all of those organizations that have all those that great technology, and when I hear clients say, "Oh, I don't worry about it because I deal with Amazon or I deal with Microsoft or I deal with, you know, with, I have Solar Wind, you know, I use FireEye or Solar Winds," you know, they all think that they're safe because they have these this great technology. And I say to them, all of that technology, all the technology in the world, will not protect you because you have Dave. And Dave is not meant to be, you know, pejorative. Nobody's making fun of Dave, maybe a little bit. But, you know, Dave is it represents the humanity, the the human factor what we're talking about here. No matter how safe and secure you think your systems are, they're never 100% secure because you have people in those systems and those people create an inherent vulnerability. Um, Saj and I actually authored a paper, um, uh, as he said, we've been talking about this topic and, and, and working on this for a while, but we authored a paper about a year ago, maybe a little bit more now, um, called the sippy cup problem. And what did, and, and it was an interesting eye-catching kind of thing, but what it, what it really was, was we were talking about cybersecurity and I said, yes. It's like a, you're, you know, you're you're working on your computer. Your toddler walks into your room, into the room. They've got their juice in a sippy cup, and it, it doesn't matter. They still spill it all over your keyboard, right? That sippy cup represents the security that you believe exists within your network, because from a technological perspective, but you can never underestimate the human element. That toddler is still there. Um, that toddler exists in all of us because we are inherently fallible. And 
the problem with and, and we're going to talk about this in a few in a in a slide or so the problem here is that we keep training people but we're not taking into effect uh, into account the humanity in the training we just think if we just keep doing the same thing over again they're eventually going to get it but the problem is in between the training and the them getting it is a whole bunch of problems there in the middle that's a whole world of hurt that you're um, exposing your organization to because basically they're they're not trained the training is not for them it's just for joe schmo off the street and that's not really getting to the heart of the problem but um really every single organization has dave we're all dave we're all the, that person because we're all capable of making a mistake and if you think about it you know even the the most highly trained privacy and security employees in your organization still make mistakes um I'll, you know when saj is talking about misconfiguration of of, of something He's not, it's not that people are misconfiguring it because they're, um, because they intentionally want to let somebody in. It's just simple human error. And so it just depends on what department you're in, what type of error that you're, you're experiencing. Exactly. So, so with that, one of the examples that we're going to talk about is, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was, uh, you know, my kids, I kept, I noticed something was in a box, you know, some. I, I smelled something in a box. My computers <laughs> were, you know, like were there and and I looked and I said, what is the smell? I noticed there was a old muffin stuffed in there, <laughs> you know, from, you that know, and kidding. I looked at both of them. I said, uh, who did this? And he had been there for some time, you know, and you're smelling this thing. You're like, what's going on with this muffin here? And both of them looked at each other, and said he did it, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> he did it right. And, 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 you know, in reality, when we're talking about these cyber breaches, we're trying to avoid that, right? Um, because under pressure, people can say, it wasn't me. There's only two people in the house. It, could have been, it couldn't have been, you know, an alien, right? It had to have been them, and none of them admitted, like, he did it, right? And sometimes with toddlers, you'll get, or you'll get with children, and this is how real life also works. Um, when a problem happens, people are like, I didn't do it, right? They did it, or they made the mistake. And, and in reality, both of them might be right in a way, right? They said, I did the best I can possibly do, right? And the other person said, this is the best I can possibly do, but at the end, the data breach occurred, right? So this is where the problem lies. So this is just a, as an example, we'll get more into that. So even the best employees cannot keep your organizational safe if they don't know how, right? And this is a key point. Um, in addition to the how part is, if one person is doing the right thing, but in another person is not doing the right thing, uh, you know, your marketing department is doing the right thing, but your sales department isn't, or your, you know, or your compliance department isn't, there's gonna be a disconnect, right? And there's a science behind that as well. I mean, you can, you can read about it. It's from systems dynamics, system dynamics, right? And where one part of the organization like marketing and sales if their outputs are not their outputs and inputs are not aligning, you're going to have a problem, right? And, and these are examples of that. Um, so this taking stock of the human dimension is absolutely key to stopping and mitigating cybersecurity attacks, and we'll get right into that. Okay. Um, so what are we? Uh, well, just a little bit brief more on that. Um, We have seen, um, there was even an example uh, from Capital One a couple of years ago, okay? We had an employee, and you saw this, where uh, the Capital One breach that happened, 
happened because of the human factor. And it was an insider, uh, really not insider, but there was a vendor attached to that, okay? The vendor was somebody that was configuring the uh, Amazon Web Services. And this individual who was later on subsequently arrested was unhappy due to some circumstance or another, went to uh, the internet, started posting on message boards, information that, that she had concerning you know, uh, Capital One, posted basically on the internet, right? Like Pastebin or something like that, a bunch of confidential information about Capital One clients. Subsequently, that person was uh, 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 caught and I think since been prosecuted, right? As a criminal, but, 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 but the point is that they, it started from gossip, right? Inside of your company, right? The human factor, right? Ended up in a breach, right? And so um, best practices in business, right? What we're communicating about, what we're not communicating about is absolutely critical. And that's particularly relevant to healthcare organizations, right? You have the HIPAA Privacy Act and the HIPAA Security Act, right? So you have the privacy, if a doctor is in an elevator talking about patients with another doctor, that's a breach in privacy, right? Right. Um, if you've misconfigured your network VPN settings, right? and or you don't have two-factor authentication, right? And something gets breached, right? That could be a violation of the HIPAA Security Act, right? Rule, I'm sorry, not act, rule, right? HIPAA privacy rule, HIPAA security, right? Mm -hmm. and so those differences are there, but we're gonna see how this plays out in the industry. So Rebecca, uh, this is the part where I think uh, this is critically relevant. What are we seeing in the industry? So what we're seeing over and over again is that this human element, this human factor is leading to all of the problems, whether it is within the organization, whether we're dealing with vendors to the organization. Um, we see repeatedly that organizations struggle and fall down when it comes to that human element. And we see that that human element leads to data breaches. And when we're talking about the uh, aspect of it where um, we're talking about training, that's where we have the opportunity to really fix the problem, okay? Um, but over and over again, we train the same way. I And I will go back to what I said earlier. I see that it is online training with a like a little slideshow presentation that someone has to sit through and then they answer questions. Those questions are the same questions year over year because training has become a check the box. The problem with the check the box philosophy with training is training is your best, uh, most cost effective tool to protect your organization against data breaches because Every single one of your employees is what I would say a soldier on the front lines of your war on cybersecurity. And I call it a war intentionally. Um, and I'm not being overly dramatic. Um, it literally is a war. You are trying to protect the castle. The, the, the hackers are the, um, the insurgents. They're trying to, to breach the capital. And I'm, don't, I'm not again, speaking politically of what we experienced back in January, uh, but just generally, that's the, the, the metaphor, I'm just using that uh, as an example. Um, but they are trying to, to, to get in there. That's what they're trying to do. It literally is a war. And when you put people on the front lines of a war and you or in a battle and you take away their weapons or you don't arm them with information that helps them fight that war, 
you know, or I like to say we're giving them feathers to fight a battle against, you know, with, with, with guns, you know, um, where the enemy has, has real weapons and we're handing our employees a feather, right? Um, that's what we're talking about. And we see over and over again in the industry, in, in every industry, but in healthcare in particular, there are so many employees and so many ways for these hackers to trick them. Um, but we're not educating these employees or arming them with the information that they need to secure their area um, and, and, and secure the, the information that they're collecting. And that information is going to vary depending on what department they're in and what they do and what their job function is. And yet we wash them all with the same brush of, with the same training brush. And it just is incredibly ineffective. And so this is what Saj and I have kind of been, what this is what we're building, we've been building towards, right? We have been teaching people or when, when organizations do things like phishing, right? They're like, well, we do phishing tests or, you know, penetration testing. What they're getting to is the who clicked on the bad link or what they clicked on. What we don't get to is the why. Why are people making this mistake? What is it? that causes them to make this error. And we think that just showing them the same training video is somehow gonna fix that, but we're not getting to the root cause of the problem. And that's really the, the issues that we're seeing over and over again within um, industries and within the healthcare industry in particular. Exactly, so, so Rebecca, so the question that happens is, look, I mean, I think the point is well noted, right? So we have people that are behind everything, right? I mean, that's gonna stay, that's here to stay. You know, the robot revolution hasn't taken place. The empathy of the robots is not coming just yet. We need to plan for it, but humans are going to be behind everything, right? And that's there. So the question is, you're going to hire people to do a job. You're going to hire the great, the best salesperson, best marketing person, the best CEO, and so on and so forth, right? Their jobs are very busy. If you're a CEO, your job is vast. You need to make money, right? You're not focused on cybersecurity unless you are, you know, you know, a security company, right? So that's that's one thing. In addition to that, you're going to have to hire people because as a leader of the company, you can't do everything yourself, right? Even if you're a small firm, you're going to need to hire an assistant to handle all of your paperwork, right? Because that takes up a lot of time, right? Especially within the healthcare world, right? If you have even one record that is lost within healthcare under 499, right? Uh, there's reporting requirements, right? So who somebody has to do that, right? And if there's over 499, right, you have to have other people that do that, right? So these are all there. So people are being hired. So what are we saying different than what is already going on now? That is a critical question, right? What are we doing different? What is Rebecca and Sajid saying here different than what you're already, uh, what you not be, may not be doing um, there in your company, okay? I'll give you a very simple example of what we're talking about, okay? Uh, many of you guys, you know, have learned to drive, right? A car, right? So when you were 16 years old, depending on your state requirements, you got a car, you got a license, and you were off to the races, right? Or whatever you want to say, right? You could be the best student in class, right? Get everything right in your in your uh, driver's license exam, right? But at the end, uh, if you ever entered, if you ever guys remember the um, Seinfeld episode where, you know, where um, where they were going to the Van Wick Expressway, right? Or, right? And <laughs> the joke was, 
we went to the Van Wick and everything stopped, right? I don't know if you ever guys have been in New York or if you've ever been on the Jackie Robinson Parkway or the Van Wick, right? We're talking treacherous driving conditions, right? Like, I don't care what you read in anything, right? You go there, right? You have to make decisions. People are cutting you off, right? There's potholes, right? And people are, you know, it's, it's, it's mayhem, right? And tra traffic stops, right? It's stop and go. Things are confusing, right? So here's where I'm getting at, right? Look at your license as the license. You got your bachelor's degree. Maybe you have a master's degree. You have your PhD, right? And so on and so forth. But none of that plays into real life, right? Directly, right? In real life, life is much more complicated, right? So in the example of the breach, at the end, when somebody gets a phishing email, okay? Even if they have the knowledge of what phishing may look like, during that circumstance, they're, they're the, they are at their computer verifying if it's a phishing link or not a phishing link and people get nervous they're busy there's a lot going on something is due right and then they act there is a mental failure at that moment and this is no different than you know how we function as human beings whether as children or otherwise i'll give you another example of that uh, i had somebody recently because i teach a class um, you know, I teach at the university. I've been teaching for a long time. So I love students. Students are fantastic. I learned so much from them. Somebody reached out to me recently that said, Professor Nassim, um, please, um, you know, I just want to let you know that, I mean, this person got like so specifically social anxiety, right? For speaking, you know, in a Zoom session, okay? Because it was around their colleagues. Now, if this person is in a small group, there's no problem. I think this person was probably an introvert, different conditions, right? So under a group setting or, you know, this person got nervous, right? So what are we getting at here, right? That human beings are not all the same. They function very differently, right? Under stress conditions, under, uh, you know, if they're introverted, extroverted, you know, you can take different examinations for that, right? I mean, you can look at the Briggs-Myers thing and so on and so forth, right? What are we talking about here? All of that comes to a end just like in the episode where Elaine was going to the Van Wick and everything halted, right? Everything stopped, right? Because it becomes a very stressful condition during that time. Go ahead, Rebecca. So what we're really driving at is that training everybody exactly the same, thinking that everyone is going to react in those situations uh, in a similar manner is, is not only theoretically a, a false uh, premise, but we see it every single time you have a data breach, right? Because literally every single time you have a data breach, somebody was like, oh, I clicked on the bad link or, oh, I hit this and I didn't realize it was, you know, they're, they're doing, they're presented with a behavior that they would not normally, that you would assume that the training would help them, but it's not helping them because the training is not geared towards them. Everybody has a different way of looking at things, everybody has a different way of, of approaching uh, approaching a situation, similar to what Saj's example was. And I know the next question then is like, well, how the heck do we do this for every single individual within our organization? And what we have found is that by measuring the, uh, by, take, by actually doing measurements of individuals' knowledge, behavior, and attitude towards cybersecurity, 
you can gear training towards where they are weakest, um, where that individual, uh, uh, I don't want to say, well, I'm going to say it falls down, falls down in their knowledge, behavior, and attitude towards training. Remember, we talked about that before um, with the KAB or KBA, KAB, I can never remember which, whether it's behavior or attitude or attitude and behavior is first. But the bottom line is it's that combination, those three factors. The, the great thing about measuring the knowledge, behavior, and attitude is you can actually measure it over and over again over time as well. So you can see someone get better at something because of the way, because of the one, the new training that they're getting that's geared more towards them. Um, and two, because you can see them do better at the at their the aptitude or the cyber acuity more and more as you measure it over time which is important. What happens is we give them the same training with the same test and we go, look, they get 100 every time. Yes, because it's the same test every time. But when you're tweaking it to their particular business, to, their, to the particular business or industry you're in, to the particular group and situation in which the individual is going to be operating, you're going to find that they're doing better over time. And that's what we want to see. Right now, we see people do pretty much the same over and over again, time after time, it's the same thing because they're presented with the same situation, but they're not presented with it on the Van Wick Expressway, right? They're presented with it in a way that's more, um, uh, where they feel more, they feel safer. They're in that small group setting, right? They're, they're doing well on the, on the test and, and they're comfortable. But putting them in, lo in a simulated or somewhat simulated situation where they're actually presented with um, with those scenarios, and then you're measuring their response to those scenarios, not measuring how well they're going to do on a, you know, A, B, or C test, actually gives you a better insight into their their ability to to uh, respond in a real life situation. Exactly. So, so the question is that we're speaking about custom training programs for organizations, right, for their employees, right? And I'll give you an example that we've already done this, okay? So we didn't present you the, the analytics behind this and the data behind this, but basically this was developed in, um, you know, we through some university programs, MIT and scientists there. Uh, what we were able to do is do surveys, scientific surveys over, uh, in order to do a research study, you have to have um, over a thousand people, right? 1,024. And, you know, it's, so it's powered the correct way. And we've actually gotten more than that. And we've done this testing, right? And we measured the knowledge, behavior, and attitude across different divisions, including sales, let's say marketing, CEOs, you know, leadership, right, management, so on and so forth. And you know, sometimes you'll see a score, let's say, you know, on a on 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 a scientific study, uh, 70 out of 100. So they got 70 out of 100. So people are like, oh, you know what? That's not so bad. Let's just get it up to an 80, right? It doesn't work that way, right? And the reason for that is a lot of different reasons, right? So let's look at a very basic, right? In your organization, we were talking about environment uh, policies, right? Rebecca spoke on that. One of the most fundamental things you can do in your industry is uh, in your organization is do data classification. Healthcare organizations certainly are familiar with that, right? Your healthcare data, your administrative data, your public data, you know, uh, if you have that, is going to be different, right? It's going to have different policies behind it, and and also technical controls, whether you're using network access control you're using you know identity access management it's going to be different so your your you know your 
in turn, like in the example that was given in SolarWinds, should not be misconfiguring computers that causes an international data breach, right? That makes sense, right? But that happened, right? So what was going on in that side of their organization that an intern's working on that, right? So again, maybe they didn't do data classification properly, or even if they did, they didn't put the right person on the job, right? And that's a problem, right? So again, the knowledge, behavior, and attitude is the psychology of the organization tied to its operational practice, right? So again, so we measured this, right? And then the question comes is, okay, uh, my intern should not have access to confidential data because they're an intern. They have no liability. Maybe they're unpaid intern, right? They haven't signed all of our employees' uh, policies and so on and so forth. Okay, fine. So we can do that, okay? So that might be one discovery. Another discovery may be that you have employees that have access to significant confidential data, right? Don't understand what is confidentiality. They have either never understood the policy, right? They are the chatty type, right? They're going out there, they're chatting about, you know, just like we saw in the example of Capital One, where the woman was talking about, you know, how they got access to all the data, they're unhappy, they're talking uh, junk on, you know, on the, uh, you know, on the message boards and so on and so forth, right? So, so they have access to a bunch of confidential data, and they don't even understand what is confidentiality, okay? And so that's a major problem, right? So how are they going to protect something when they don't even know what it is, okay? That's just, and uh, you know, that's one theme. The other theme is then you have a manager, right? Maybe that's a manager that's there, right? Uh, really good manager, really knows how to deal well. But at the end, what happens is they don't actually they don't actually know um, uh, you know uh, how to like maybe they got a sixty out of a hundred and they're managing you know a highly either technical group or a group that's supposed to protect confidentiality, right? So there can be differences there. So a custom training program is what we're getting at. We're approaching the very end, but these are some of the examples that we're bringing to the surface behind the breaches behind. Uh, the different aspects of organizational psychology that are happening and 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 how to start approaching dealing with them. Uh, our contact information is here um, and um, and we'll take any questions next. Thank you so much, Saj and Rebecca. That was a really wonderful presentation. Really, really dynamic. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for having us again, Catherine. Yes. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. So um, we do have some questions. The first one is, how do you think the pandemic has affected cybersecurity and data privacy training and why? Rebecca, go ahead, you take that one, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so um, one thing is I think that it's affected it because we're in different environments now. And so I think, again, we're training as if we have people in an office building when we really have people remote. And so that's, the primary one. But to the point that I think that Saj and I are really driving at is that, you know, it's to some degree, it, it's it, security and privacy are highly affected by the environment in which you're working. The other thing, though, is if you don't understand the why behind why behind the reason for someone to click something, you're only getting half of the picture. So until we start to look at this from a different angle, from a different perspective, until we start dealing with training differently, pandemic, no pandemic, um, you're always going to run into the same issue, which is you have a, a uh, 
workforce that you're not really preparing to to um, you know deal with security and privacy issues that are going to come up. Um, and so understanding how an employee is interacting with their environment, understanding the psychology behind it is a critical piece. I mean, some people may say, oh, this is really like, you know, granola, very touchy feeling. Oh, we have to understand the why behind it. But if you think about it, any real problem in the world, scientific, technological, legal, you don't get to it unless you get to the why. That why is the critical piece. And so we really need to be start thinking about this in terms of, the why instead of just reacting to the, well, you know, just give them the test and there we go, we've checked the box. Because eventually we're gonna get to a point where, you know, regulations and laws catch up with this and they go, well, if you don't understand that, then you're not, you're not really complying with the law. And security and privacy are definitely not a check the box situation if you wanna ever get better at it. If you wanna just skate by, I guess, you know, knock yourself out, but you're gonna be subject to a data breach. Um, if you really want to get to the heart of the problem, you have to understand why it's happening. Okay, great. Um, okay, we have another question here. Why is quantification so important? Uh, don't the laws just really require training? So why would that be important? Yeah, yeah I so think I just hit that one, Saj, but go for it. <laughs> you can yeah, elaborate so, a little further. <laughs> I mean, so here, here's the bottom line, right? So CISOs and organizations are under a lot of pressure, right? And so compliance requirements are always there and, you know, and sort of they try to catch up with, you know, what's going on and so on and so forth. But the bottom line to most C uh, CEOs and, you know, and organizations, CISOs especially, look, a massive data breach is not a career builder, right, in any way or organizational builder, right? I mean, if you're the, the folks at Equifax, right, after the data breach are not exactly tooting their horn, as to, oh, we got a massive data breach, right? And <laughs> so what we're getting at is really essentially the new age of compliance, right? Uh, using math, right? And we went back to the Nobel Prize winner, uh, Richard Feynman. We're talking about quantification. The bottom line is this, that whether or not you're meeting the qualification, uh, you know, that you don't want data breaches on your hand, right? You saw 18,000 companies that were compromised. You're seeing, you know, more and more attacks that are coming in a variety of different ways. We saw even during the pandemic where, the supply chains under attack. I uh, recently saw FBI stories about education institutions are under attack. And especially in healthcare, you know, you sometimes get the university side of the network crossing into the into the academic, uh, you know, into the medical center, right? So those are there. So there's a lot of connections there. Quantification is critically important, and you're going to see this more and more a theme moving forward. So you don't think that uh, people are going to add to their CV massive data breach under my tenure? No, right. So they don't, right. So we don't want right massive data breach under your tenure. Exactly. You're not going to see that, right? Right. That's a so I mean, so I mean, I think the reasons are obvious, but the the point is that again and again, data breaches are going to happen because at this point, I, we used to speak about Equifax, right? 2017, right? Misconfiguration, Apache struts, right? leading to the thing. And then afterwards, what did we see? We saw somebody posting a malware URL, Equifax 2017, so on and so forth. And the sales department, uh, I'm sorry, I think it was the marketing department that put the malware URL out for customers to click on, right? So you saw disconnect there, right? Lack of interconnectivity inside of the organization. So more and more, we need to understand what access, what the access is and what each group is trained on 
and 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 then and the upkeep. So the measurement is absolutely essential because how do you know what's wrong if you don't measure it, right? It's an obvious point. If you don't know what your blood pressure is, how are you going to know that you're sick or not sick, right? It's the same idea. Right, right. And okay, so the next question actually speaks to as a follow-up actually of of what we were just discussing um, about the fallibility of humanity, right? So considering that humans are fallible, how can training ever be really effective? I'll let Rebecca take that. Go ahead, Rebecca. Of course, I get the hard question. How the heck yeah. are we going to fix this problem? <laughs> well, the the trick is right is not to just train for training's sake. The the trick is to train on what they're doing, right? And I'm going to piggyback on Saj's example because it's a good one, like the blood pressure, right? Surgeons don't just walk; they don't graduate from medical school and they go to residency. Why do you go to res residency? So that they get training on their particular area of medicine. Otherwise. You know, you'd have you'd have general practitioners performing brain surgery, right? You train on your particular area. So when you train somebody on their area, they get to be experts in the issues that are affecting that area. And you're never going to catch everything. You know, that's true. But don't you want to make it as efficient as possible, as effective as possible? If you're going to put somebody through the through a uh, a training program if you're going to make them go through their residency at the other end of it don't you want them to come out being able to perform that brain surgery or do their job to the the most extent uh to the highest extent possible you're going to see that it's not going to be infallible but you're going to <clears throat> over time you're going to reduce your risk and that's the key we're never going to have risk elimination it's just if i say it once i say it a, a thousand times a day that's a fallacy. It's a, it's a, it's a, you know, you're, you're, you're living in, in la la land. But if you, the more you train on their specific area, the more you understand why someone is more likely to make a mistake, the better you are at fixing it and avoiding it, right? If you know I can't drive on the, on that expressway, then you avoid it, right? So that's how you do it. You avoid putting people in a situation in which we know they're not going to be successful. Sometimes that means changing departments. Sometimes that means changing access levels. Sometimes it means changing job descriptions. But by doing that, by understanding the why, you can really deploy your work, your uh, workers in a way that makes them uh, efficient and better suited towards the role that you want them to play. Yeah, and I'll, I'll piggyback on that one, one quick point here. In the days of management where, you know, I have a gut feeling and you know, and my gut feeling is that uh, that Sajid is a good employee is 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 long gone, and it should be long gone because the gut feeling isn't good enough, right? And we see smart employees quotes quote so-called smart employees lead to you know lead to mistakes, and people that maybe are you think are not so trained are more vigilant. You don't see that the measurement, measurement, measurement. That's what we're getting at, right? And that leads to risk uh, mitigation here. And if as a manager, you do not know the people that are working for you from a measurement standpoint, how do you know who you're dealing with, right? You don't know, right? And you're just going into it with that level. So this can be tied into your other network security programs as well, the training programs. Once you know, you know, knowledge, behavior, attitude, and you've trained them properly. But let's just say we've had examples where, you know, some people just don't get it. Then at that moment, their custom internet access or what they get access to uh, you know, through your uh, web filtering policies can be tied into their KAB knowledge behavior attitude. 
Okay, so actually, so I think that um, we have another question here that um, can can lead into that actually. So um, speaking about how employees can be assets. Um, so besides just being potential issues, um, how can companies leverage their employees to be assets when dealing with cybersecurity issues? Yeah, so that's directly tied in, right? So if okay. you now know the knowledge, behavior, attitude of your various employees, including line workers, including supervisors, including analysts, including you know, managers, right? So if now you see that maybe your line worker is very good at their knowledge, behavior, attitude, but maybe for whatever reason, your supervisor is not, right? Maybe they never got the right supervisory training. Maybe, you know, they're just not good at that and they're responsible for confidentiality. Maybe they're misaligned in their role, right? These questions need to be asked. I know we see this every day. It's And these are the tough questions that need to be asked, right? But it ties into that. So you can have a valuable employee at the line worker level and maybe valuable employees at the management level, right? That too, right? And maybe somewhere in between, some things are not working, so you align them correctly. Uh, Rebecca, you want to uh, you want to briefly sp speak on that? Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, well, I 100% agree with Zaj. It's not a surprise that he and I, you know, have c developed this over time together. But, um, you know, I think that that's really important. You know, you want to deploy your workforce in the way that makes them the most efficient and effective for your business. Um, and making sure that, you know, you understand, the, again, the why behind everything is going to help you do that. And by doing that, you're going to be getting a return on investment because they're going to be more successful. And in turn, your business is going to be more successful. Okay, hey, wonderful. Well, um, I wanted to thank you both again for being here today. Rebecca and Saj, do you have any other words of advice that you'd like to leave with us today or any uh, anything, else, anything else you might have thought of? Yeah, appreciate uh, you having us and appreciate everybody's uh, time here. Um, you know, again, if you want to learn more about the measurement part, I mean, there's a law journal article, law.com. You can uh, Google the City Cup problem, redefining cybersecurity awareness. Um, and uh, Rebecca, go ahead. Um, no, I mean, I think the only thing is that um, this is something that, that organizations need to be looking at um, and really starting to question. And um, Saj and I uh, push out a lot of uh, information on our social media. So by all means, connect with us on, um, I have a, my, myself and my law firm uh, have a LinkedIn and a Twitter page, and we are constantly pushing out content on this topic and a whole bunch of other uh, topics related to cybersecurity and data privacy. So uh, by all means, feel free to link and connect with us. And um, you know, we're happy to, if you have any direct questions or, or in, want more information on this, uh, the, what we're talking about here, please feel free to reach out to us. Our emails are on the last slide. Okay, wonderful. I can't wait to have you back. And um, thank you so much for, for joining us today on this webinar. And um, so um, in attendees, please use the contact information on the screen for any questions. Uh, if you think of any questions further along, you can send us the questions and we'll forward them on. Please remember your PACOM and PMI CEU certificate will be emailed to you from within two days following the broadcast. There's no need to request it. You can register for future webinars or request a demo of our compliance solution on our website at firsthcc.com or call us at 888-543-4778. And thank you for joining us.